electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Coming up today, Faber's sit-down with Bob Iger. Nice exit interview. Uh, talk about the media landscape uh, heading into a new year. In the meantime, futures are looking to get back some of Monday's loss as we continue to wrestle with the Omicron wave. We await the president's speech later on today, offering some more federal support, including some free at-home testing. Our robot this morning, though, is going to begin with uh, the stock bounce back. Wall Street trying to rebound after a three-day rout due to these Omicron fears. Plus, it is the end of the Iger era, my exclusive with Disney's Bob Iger, as he prepares to step down as chairman of the board. And shares of Micron are surging after reporting strong earnings and an upbeat forecast. CEO Sanjay Marotra is going to join us live in just a few moments. So, Jim, let's talk about uh, the bounce here this morning, as well as some of the creeping buying we saw yesterday in names like travel, uh, despite all of these uh, Omicron surges that we're watching. Well, one thing is certain, Carl, that we had two great earnings reports last night, one from Nike and Nike proved that the consumer is still strong. But the second will be our exclusive interview with, with Sanjay Marotra. This was the, perhaps the most important earnings call that you could have because it covered all the bases and told you why we could have a semi rebound. As far as travel, that is a real quandary. It's almost as if people are saying, damn the Omicron torpedoes full speed ahead. Uh, as if people have said, you know what, I'm going to accept the risk and I'm going to travel and I'm not going to wait any longer. David, the interesting thing is where you did your interview. Uh, people are going to, to Disney World. Uh, they seem to be not at all deterred these days, do they? No, uh, certainly I can speak for uh, Disneyland, uh, which I did visit last Thursday and it was packed. Um, uh, packed. Yeah, packed. And uh you know, and that was a Thursday, by the way, not a weekend. Most kids not out of school yet. But, uh, yeah, to your point, Jim, uh, you know, I, it, it's very much unclear that things are going to slow significantly. And yet and yet, Jim, we do see, you know, in cases where this thing is spreading so quickly that people have to absent themselves from whatever they're doing. And that can have an impact. And broadly speaking, we're back in an environment where. Uh, on the macro level, we're perhaps a little more concerned again about supply chain issues. You know, you were talking about it yesterday, but and we'll get to Nike in a moment. But with Omicron spreading around the world, are we going to have to revisit some of these concerns about supply chain that haven't gone away, but we thought would certainly get better in the new year? Uh, what a great question, because I know that a lot of people have, uh, they have doubts about whether Pfizer or Moderna can protect us, but there's one thing that is for certain. The Chinese vaccines are somewhat irrelevant against Omicron. Uh, I was reading my, my uh, every morning I start with China Ellis' news item. And there's a very interesting piece about the fact that neither the Russians nor the Chinese have what it takes 
to be able to stop this. But, David, there is such a slowdown in China that we have to wonder whether that isn't Olympics-related. Carl, you know China, as does David, but Carl, if the Olympics have, one, uh, a a wave of COVID, and two, uh, a wave of smog, then it's certainly a very bad, very bad sign for the Chinese. I'm wondering, Carl, if one of the slowdowns, part of the slowdown we're seeing is just an ability to try to have clear skies over the stadium. Yeah, uh, they definitely they definitely want uh, blue skies in China. And you would imagine some at least industrial production in China uh, begins to ramp down in advance of those games, Jim. It's, it's a great point. I, am, I was curious, though, to see this morning that, uh, for example, here in the States, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, big event, uh, canceled last year, um, is going to go forward with as many, uh, res- you know, restrictions and mi- mitigation efforts as they can muster. Uh, but we're, I mean, for example, Jim, this show that we're doing right now is being anchored by two anchors uh, with COVID, uh, but who are managing to work around it, isolate for a few days, work from home where they can, and then get back to work uh, in the office. I know one of us is COVID, which... Oh. I got a 50% chance. No, David, you do not have COVID. All right, I'm the odd man out. Carl just shared some news I wasn't aware of. Oh, thank God, because I hugged you. Yeah. I hugged you. I thought I gave it to you. three times on Wednesday. But Carl, that's terrible. Somehow it it didn't, uh, well, you weren't positive David would also have COVID if he hadn't been at Disneyland. That's true. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was Thursday. That was the key day, Jim. So Carl appreciates that. I'm sure he thanks you. Here's the good news. Carl, I'm the very sorry. The good news is you're both no, fine and because you both had three shots, and I have three. And what we have seen from this incredible spread of, of this Omicron variant that is now accounting for, according to the CDC, what as many as 73% of new cases right now, what we have typically seen from people who have three shots, at least anecdotally, and you guys are proof of it, is you don't get very sick, thankfully. But it doesn't mean that you don't have to yes, absent yourself from work. I mean, now we're able to do it, but, no, but some people may not. Let's think about this. Yeah. But this is the real problem. And I say this to the people who run CES. Uh, last Thursday at 6 a.m., I tested. I used the best there is, the Abbott Binax now. Negative. I then go to work. And at 9 o'clock, I must have been uh, contagious, even if it said that I was negative. Because how else could uh, I infect Carl? And the answer is, is that this thing is very elusive. Now, I was at a party where I got this. Uh, Everyone had to be PCR negative. And everyone said, you had to prove it. And yet I still came down with it because someone may have switched to being uh, positive or was actually able to give this. I guess what I'm saying is, Carl and David, this thing is just whatever you hear, whatever expert you get. Dr. Fauci, whatever. I have to tell you, they know nothing. They know nothing because I test negative and then I infect my partner. Uh, What does that mean? I test negative and three hours later, I give it to them. Where are the authorities that are really going to step up and say, you know what? We have no idea what's happening. They refuse to do so. And Carl, I am very sorry that this happened. I certainly would never have come to work. I felt great that morning. So I don't know what to do. Uh, I, I, no, I mean, I, I think we're, we're grappling with the realization, David, that the, the rapid antigen tests are a lagging indicator. Uh, they don't give you a good sense of your viral load at that moment uh, that you need to show a little bit more uh, to get a positive. Same thing happened with me. I will say, though, I'll echo Jim's comments about how surprised I was about how mild the symptoms are. 
so far, my only treatment has been a couple of Tylenol, uh, David. Yeah. And a huge feeling of gratitude uh, that I was able to get three doses and wondering what the situation would be like if I hadn't gotten that. Yeah. Uh, and even two at this point, we know, uh, is not necessarily going to be as effective. Now, again, we get into things like the spike protein as opposed to T-cell immunity, which, which would be helpful. Listen, you want to be vaccinated. You want to have three shots if you can. Only 30% so far, I think, of Americans have had the third shot. But, Jim, back to the broader impact of Omicron at this point. Uh, and, you know, right. I, to your point, I think it's hard to know right now. You know, we've talked about the mild symptoms. You right. guys are certainly indicative of that, thankfully, because of the three shots that you, that you had. But at the same time, you infect enough people. Uh, and even though the denominator percentage-wise is going to be, uh, or, you know, percentage of those who get very sick is going to be small, it could still end up being a fairly large overall number. We could easily get to half a million cases or more a day. How about if you had a, a J&J and a Moderna? What do you think? I don't know. You know what you'd be getting? Sick. You'd be getting the person who's downstairs. Yeah. You get the person who's downstairs from me right now. Uh, my wife. And uh, we're very in a very different course. Uh, she actually knows I have a show. so, But she, she needs to... Uh, we're in a very different place. Uh, she'll get over it without a doubt, uh, but it is a very, very different illness that I have from what she has. And I'm not trying to say that she's not really sick. I mean, it's, this is not like the morning show with Jennifer Aniston, season two. I like it. But, you know, we're just in a different place because <laughs> J&J and Moderna is not as good as three Modernas. Now, please, everyone, um, she's downstairs. She's, I don't know. I don't think she's watching the show. But I'm just saying that, like, the combination of three is really terrific uh, versus two. Uh, I don't know what zero would look like, but it, uh, I don't think it would be. I think it would be suboptimal, even more than I signaled when I wrote this morning. David? Yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh, but, Carl, all of this again sparking. And Carl, again, I'm sorry, yeah. Carl. I mean, can I just say I feel awful? I mean, I, I don't know. Here's the thing. I think I think we've moved beyond apologies and I think we've moved beyond, David, it being something that's interesting. Okay. I think it was The Times um, all right, good luck earlier you, this morning good luck or last you. night said we all if if you have a life in which you interact with society, you're yeah. going to have a date with COVID. And yeah. the sooner we make this uh, more mundane, but I, I don't uh, have a life. Is, is the sooner we can. <laughs> I don't have a life. That's what so even let's add the people who don't even have a life. I have no life. I got up at four. I worked. I worked eleven last night. To, only tonight when the Eagles win, beat the Washington team. But David, I don't want to get in the way because you do have an important interview, and yes. it's one of the interviews where I've got to tell you, we. I've been watching. I watched the morning. This guy is one cool guy. And yep. did you really say he's almost seventy-one? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, I know. It's hard to imagine people are actually older than you are, but they are. Uh, yeah, no, he looks... No, that he was looked, gratuitous. It that was, was gratuitous. gratuitous it was. And I'm very thankful to Bob because I was not in the studio on Thursday, as Carl pointed out, so I didn't get COVID from you. Um, so <laughs> thanks for that, Bob Iger. Uh, but yeah, we did sit down for a long interview that I was very happy to have an opportunity to conduct and a bit different than we typically do here at CNBC, talking, of course, about his long career uh, at Disney, not just his time as CEO. Obviously, we hit on a lot of the key business questions, as you might anticipate. Um, and we went over a lot of other things as well, um, you know, including sort of some of the things that he saw in terms of his strengths and weaknesses. And I guess I'll start there because he did cite sort of something he noticed about his own um, responsiveness uh, that 
he said was one thing that alerted him. Maybe it was time to consider stepping down. Take a listen. I will say that over time, I think I started listening less and maybe with a little less tolerance of other people's opinions, maybe because of getting a little bit more overconfident in my own, which is sometimes what happens when you get built up, you know, in some form or another as, you know, something special or great or whatever. Right. I was mindful of that. Well, you were introspective dismissive. enough to recognize it, though. A lot of leaders might not even recognize it. I think I wrote it. about that, too. I, was, I became a little bit more dismissive of dissent and other people's opinions than I should have been. And that was, that, that was an early sign that it was time. It wasn't the reason I left, but it was a contributing factor. That you just weren't right. You just didn't have the patience any longer, or you thought I've First heard all, this you, all before. You, and you come, yes, a lot of all those things. You've heard all the, every argument before. I don't want to hear it again, even though it may be more valid today than it was then. Times change. All the, you know, all the, the, you know, the time, the challenges of a CEO of a large global company today in terms of managing time. So you can't. So dissent has to be finite. Right. In a sense, and, and depends on where you draw that line and when, you just, when do you shut dissent down. And maybe I was doing it a little bit too quickly. I, I felt that. Ten more days for uh, Iger, of course, as chairman, and then he will step down, Jim. Uh, and, you know, we talked, obviously, about what his plans are for the future, but certainly he can look back on a very um, successful tenure. Uh, we can take a look at the stock price as well, sort of from when he took over to when he stepped down. Obviously, Bob Chapek's been running this company now since the end of February 2020. And as we well know, no shortage of challenges there. You raised one earlier, which is park attendance. Right now looks pretty good, but we still have to wonder, even on that front, given what we're seeing in terms of the spread of the uh, Omicron variant. David, Wall Street loved this man, loved Bob Iger. I do not detect the same love for Bob Chapek. Was that discussed at all? Yeah, we talked a bit about it a bit. Um, he didn't fully engage on sort of some of the talk that's been around now for some time. Um, but, you know, as he said, uh, and I think we, we shared a bit of that on Squawk Box, uh, the, you know, there was a different set of challenges for Mr. Chapek, and he's uh, got to deal with them. And we all know uh, some of them, at least, certainly when it comes to direct to consumer, uh, Jim and Carl, in terms of the offering from Disney right now. And is it broad enough? That is something, Jim, as well, that uh, Mr. Iger and I did get uh, get into, including movie making in the current uh, world and whether people will go and direct to consumer and sports rights. So many different things to cover, of course, when you talk about this company. Well, the company, I don't think, is, look, my charitable trust owns it. We've been telling the investing club, you have to buy it on the way down. Why? Because actually we have faith in Chapek. And not only that, we think that the model itself is a good one. Uh, if Omicron sweeps the nation or if we continue to have these different uh, versions of COVID or if we just decide, you know what, they've got some really great programming here. Well, we're going to people are going to buzz about it. In the same way, I've got to tell you, I, I, I'm not, I'm a fanboy of Apple, I admit it. Uh, I had to get Apple Plus because people were talking about Apple Plus. I don't have uh, kids growing up right now. I, I need to have something that makes me want to watch Disney. Now, I paid up uh, for one for uh, one offering, but we had Adam Aaron on yesterday. Carl, I mean, I think that Adam Aaron is, and I enjoy his showmanship, but I think that it's time for Disney to really test him and say, you know what? You're getting our stuff second and see what he can do. It's not like his balance sheet is going to be uh, 
a, a friend. But the one, look, obviously these agents get good deals for their uh, actors and actresses, but Disney's got to find a way to be able to make it so that Disney Plus is first. And I'm not seeing that happen right now. I think it happened and then it left, yeah. Carl, and it's got to come back. That would be an historic uh, reset of the uh, exhibitor relationship, but we can't wait to hear more of what Iger uh, told David later on this morning. By the way, B of A today reiterates Disney buy at 191. Uh, we'll take a break here. Uh, when we come back, as we said earlier, Micron Sanjay Marotra is going to join us, talk about the stronger demand, bunch of calls on MU this morning, along with some calls on NVIDIA, FedEx, Oracle, Boeing. Futures are still green. Squawk on the Street continues in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. People want to know why this market's rallying. Shares of Micron are jumping in pre-market trading. Chipmaker posting, I would say, much better than expected quarterly earnings. Fantastic, fantastic guidance. And again, this man is so underrated, those who watch Mad Money know. I'm talking to exclusively this, to Sanjay Marotra, who, once again, is a man of his word. Sanjay, what you did was say you would do on Mad Money. You said that this was a shorter downturn, that people should be buying the stock. You came on and said that. How did you know? Because this is just a remarkable quarter. Jim, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. I hope you and Carl are doing well. And um, really, our FQ1 results were fantastic. Solid start to a fiscal year 22. We expect this fiscal year 22 to be a record year for the company with solid profitability. Micron team executed really well. We are leading the industry with best in class, most advanced DRAM and NAND technologies, strengthening our product portfolio, ramping these technologies very well into production. All of this really giving us strong year over year growth in multiple of our end markets. And of course, the end markets of data center, of mobile, automotive, uh, industrial have all been strong and we delivered strong year over year, year growth in these market segments as well. So Micron with a strong execution and with favorable demand drivers for memory and storage is well positioned for a solid 
fiscal year 22. We look at it as a uh, expected to be a record fiscal year 22 in terms of revenue and robust profitability. I've got to tell you, Sanjay, I was struck by your bullishness about artificial intelligence, about 5G, and about electric vehicles. Now, I was... I certainly thought that you would dominate data center. You've been saying that. But these three other markets, they seem to be yours. Now, the old days, Micron were regarded as being commodity. These are hardly commodity materials. These are deeply secular proprietary. You've changed the model. Absolutely. These are secular demand trends. Data center is going to be big for us in fiscal year 22, and it's going to be a strong driver of growth beyond fiscal year 22 as well. AI, big data workloads need more memory, more storage. New processors are being introduced that have more cores and more channels that are enabling greater usage of memory and storage in these applications. So yes, data center is going to be a strong driver of growth. If you look at a server, Today, it has nearly 50% of its bill of materials is memory and storage. And this will continue to grow as more and more AI and big data drive the workloads in data centers, cloud, as well as enterprise. And Jamie, yes, electric vehicles are driving strong content growth. I call them like data center on wheels. Uh, they, there have been uh, calendar year 22 and calendar year 23 electric vehicles that have been announced with more than 140 gigabyte of DRAM, and others have been announced with a terabyte of SSD. So this is indeed like great data center on wheels. And Micron is number one share in the markets for automotive. We are a strong player, many years of history, number one quality, strong product portfolio. And this will, electric vehicles will become a bigger and growing market for us. So whether you look at mobile, you look at cloud, you go on to the opportunities in the metaverse that are building up, memory and storage will be key enabler because it's all about the strengthening data economy. And in many aspects, we are still early in this data economy and Micron continues to execute very well with our technology and products. And we expect to deliver strong growth over the course of next several years. Now, I want everyone who's in the stock market and trying to figure out this rally today to go listen to the Micron call because there's a moment in it where you, Sanjay, say that, and I'm going to quote, supply chain, the, the bottlenecks, they are easing. You were using the term easing. No one was expecting this. You dropped that positive bomb. I need you to flesh it out because if supply chain is easing for auto, then you know this is the most important bottleneck in our economy. Supply chain is easing in certain pockets of the market because of a lot of investments the semiconductor industry, including Micron, have put into our supply chains. And we expect supply chain to continue to ease gradually all throughout calendar year 22. Some shortages may still continue, but as new products, new technologies get introduced in the market, it's possible that some shortages will still continue, but some shortages have improved. So yes, we expect easing of shortages through calendar year 22, and easing of shortages will be a tailwind for Micron demand because our customers have been constrained in terms of how much product they can ship 
into their end markets despite strong demand in their end markets. And as supply chain shortages improve during calendar year 22, gradually all throughout the year, that will release pent up demand for memory and storage. This along with, as we discussed earlier, the secular demand drivers of cloud, electric vehicles, 5G, you know, 5G across even industrial applications, yeah. all of this will continue to drive greater demand for our products. Key for us is to continue to execute. And of course, we rely on macroeconomic environment to continue to stay favorable as well. Uh, Sanjay, when it comes to the macroeconomic environment, though, there's a lot that's uncertain, including how quickly this Omicron variant is spreading around the world and the impact it will have on your forecast for supply chain. Are you taking that into account? How can you? Uh, and I just wonder how that how that aligns with what is a positive view you just shared in terms of 2022 on supply chain. So I think if you go back over the last two years and look at what Micron has done to invest in its supply chain, build redundancy, our global manufacturing footprint has been a tremendous plus, a competitive advantage for us, a diversified global footprint. We have continued to deliver successfully to the needs of our customers. And of course, the demand for technology products has continued to grow with the, micro, uh, the COVID variant. In some markets, it really accelerated demand. In some markets for a certain period of time, it may have slowed down demand. So of course, uh, the Omicron variant, we will continue to monitor it. But the point is that our supply chain is well prepared. And we have seen over the course of the pandemic that the demand drivers are strong and ultimately they are secular in nature as well. So we do expect continued strong demand. And Micron has shown that we can adapt quickly to the changes in the marketplace. And we will continue to monitor. And to the extent that Omicron impacts macroeconomic right. growth, then of course we will have okay. to make adjustments accordingly. Sanjay, uh Miraculous quarter, turning the market around. Sanjay Marotra, CEO, Micron, man of his word. Thank you for coming on Squawk on the Street. Thank you, Jim and the team. Great to be back on the show and happy holidays to you and to all your viewers. Same. All right, back to Carl. Thank you. All right. Uh, Jim, thanks. When we come back on this Tuesday, a lot more. David's exclusive with Disney's Bob Iger, the exit interview. Don't go anywhere. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom, and supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's Next Level Supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. $0 copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply. Take a look at the opening bell on this Tuesday in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. And the big board, it's data analytics software company Snowflake with uh, Snowflake the Bear uh, ushering in the first day of winter on this December 21st. At the NASDAQ, it's the American Red Cross 
bringing awareness of the emergency needs from this year's weather-related uh, disasters. Pretty good breath filling in here, Jim. I do wonder at 4608 whether or not you think uh, at large there's going to be another leg lower before Santa eventually perhaps shows up. I think Santa's here. Uh, and one of the reasons Santa's here <laughs> is that when you listen to what Sanjay Marocher just said, I mean, geez, Carl, Nancy, you got autos, uh, data center, uh, you, you have AV, you've got some terrific meta that he's discussing, uh, industrial IoT. Uh, he did everything but say, you know what, listen, you got to go buy, uh, you got to go buy the, the healthcare stocks. Uh, this is a person who is at the, is ground zero of technology. And David, I mean, honestly, David, short of, uh, let's say, Apple coming out and saying things are great, I think that Sanjay represents uh, the, the, the kind of thing that can really ignite a market. Interesting. You know, and I, his, his um, positive tone on the supply chain, which you noted, of course, from the call, and then we had an interchange with him just now about, Jim, was somewhat surprising. He seems to believe that they can, yes. manage, it, they can manage it regardless of what comes their way as a result of Omicron. Well, what that could mean is Cisco, which my travel trust owns. That could be terrific. Or Ford, which has been uh, GM. They've been held up by it. Uh, now, the one thing I think, David, you mentioned earlier, where are these chips coming from? Well, they're coming from Malaysia. Uh, I don't know how they're vaccinated there. Uh, Taiwan, I don't know how they're vaccinated there. So, David, before uh, I think Sanjay, he, he's uniquely American. His, his product is made here. Uh, these other countries, we really got to find out how they're vaccinated. And by the way, I really appreciate all the people in my mention column who are so excited that I'm sick. Uh, that's a whole new aspect because typically you don't wish people are sick. And then the other people who say that I have some guts trying to tell people to take a vaccine just because I had three and I, and I still got sick. But it's the ones I really want to single out who are, are so happy that my wife's sick. No. These are really terrific people, and I would call. Jim, don't. One of the reasons why I saw a cut in Twitter today uh, is that I think that Twitter has to recognize that when you have people who are really hoping that you get sick, that may not be a site that is, uh, that is conducive to anything that is good. So I don't know, David. Yeah. That said, I don't think I've ever wished anyone in, no. in my life, and I've had some real enemies, to get a disease. No. But I found an exclusive group of people. They yeah. are following me. And I got to hand it. Jimmy Chill has to hand it to you. Gotta, you got to move on. I know it's hard to do, and it's, uh, it's distressing. And I know <laughs> we're, we're making light of it yeah. in a sense, but it is distressing to see that level of uh, vitriol uh, directed against you or your what family. What does it say about Twitter? Um, yeah, well, listen, what does it say about Twitter? it's an issue for Twitter and its new CEO, uh, and one that they have yet to fully deal with in terms of the, the platform itself, creating kind of a hostile environment. Um, you're right. Uh, I do want to go back, Carl, to supply chain. Uh, and, you know, we talked about Micron, but of course, we should also talk about Nike, shares of which are up sharply yep. after the quarter uh, was reported, and it was a strong one. But again, there you come back to the questions about Vietnam, which is an important um, manufacturing hub for that company, and Omicron. But at this point, the stock doing very well off the, off the back of those numbers, Carl. Uh, yeah, not too bad. 83 cents beats by 20 cents, Jim. Revenue ahead. Uh, we know how levered, uh, not just Nike, but apparel in general. I mean, we've been talking about chips all morning, but apparel is about, is about Vietnam. And, and you're right. We're going to have to really pay attention to vaccination rates, uh, particularly in Southeast Asia. Yeah, the, the Nike call is interesting because they did say that the Vietnamese 
did flee. I mean, they did the right thing. They went away from the factories, but they're coming back. Uh, the direct-to-consumer is, is alive and well. I know people were upset that China wasn't strong. Uh, some people think it's political. I, I think that there's just a problem with China that will go away. Uh, this was a great quarter. And, and once again, you know, Carl, you see these companies, they're supposed to blow it. Nike was really supposed to blow it. Everyone said China's bad, maybe U.S. is bad, they can't get the product. This is just ingenuity talking. John Donahoe doing a great job and. Uh, I really I just respect these companies, Carl, that are able to somehow just triumph over what we thought they could. I don't know a soul who thought that Nike wouldn't screw it up. And look at what they did. It was a remarkable quarter. Great conference call, too. Um, guys, yeah. You know, um, uh, yeah, sorry, Carl. Uh, you know, yesterday, Jim, we uh, spent we spent a decent amount of time talking about the pharmaceuticals. You seem positive on them. I note shares of Pfizer, which yes. is volatile and are up 60 percent this year, are down over 3 percent. Um, I had an anticipation, at least based on some conversations, that we would see FDA approval perhaps as soon as today, prior to the president's address on, uh, on uh, COVID, uh, FDA approval for the antivirals. You and I had a long conversation about that yeah. yesterday. It hasn't come. Um, expectations are it should come in the next, let's call it, 24 hours. Uh, I think. So we will see them, Carl. Uh, the antivirals that we've been talking about since the earliest days of the pandemic, that is the oral ones, one from Pfizer, of course, which has very strong efficacy in terms of keeping people out of the hospital and or dying, and one from Merck as well, uh, Molnupiravir, which we spent a lot of time talking about. Again, waiting for that FDA approval, thought perhaps it would come as soon as today. It hasn't. I do notice shares of Merck and Pfizer in particular uh, down uh, rather sharply, given the overall tone in the market. Yeah, B of A with a pretty good chart I, I out this morning. Um, just looking at, uh, as we put, as we said earlier, greater levels of immunization, uh, either natural or acquired. To your point, David, greater availability of antivirals. Uh, in their words, Jim, a shorter, smaller surge would be a strong indicator of the progress made to date. And again, another firm emphasizing the idea of the hopes of accelerating to an endemic phase. Right. I mean, look, I have, uh, with the exception of Biogen, uh, which I think was shameful with their uh, Alzheimer's drug that if, if you take it, I think you're wasting our government's money. Uh, and I'm, I'm aggressive on that. I do a lot of work with Brain Foundation. Uh, I, I, I will say that the FDA, uh, the NIH, CDC, have been shameful. Uh, they've misled us. They have been uh, a major port, a problem in our country, which should be open. That one of them, I think, has distinguished themselves. Uh, I don't think Dr. Fauci's distinguished himself. I think that the, uh, that the CDC has been terrible. Uh, and I'm, I have to say it because these are organizations that we turn to. I now turn to the government uh, as, a, as a farce. You know, President Biden's talking about giving 500 million uh, tests out. Now, uh, Abbott has the, uh, the ability to produce 50,000, 50, I'm sorry, 50 million a month. Uh, where's he getting his 500? Oh, he's going to go to China. China has them. I don't think we want them. Uh, I don't know how he's going to do it. And there's absolutely no uh, sketch out of how he's going to do it. And once again, you know, David, I'm sorry that I'm so negative about these people, but I've come to expect more from our country than these people. Uh, I don't think they know anything. And I think that they say they do know things. Uh, I don't hear them talking about what happens, that the tests don't work uh, for if you already have, if you get, get, uh, 
uh, if you get Omicron, I don't hear them talking about what happens between J&J versus Pfizer. David, what, uh, what do they, why do they pretend? Why do they pretend? Why don't they say they don't know? Uh, I find them shocking. Yeah, I don't have an answer for you other than to say things do change. If we know anything, it's uh, that throughout this almost two years now, things have changed very quickly. Uh, right. And we are dealing with obviously something that was an unknown. But two years in, your argument is probably a good one, Jim, as to, right. as to why. Pfizer knew that yeah. you needed three, yeah. David. Pfizer knew you needed three. Mm-hmm. But the government did nothing. They knew you needed three. Right. One day we'll investigate it. Yeah. But it's shameful. Uh, well, speaking of people who Go have distinguished themselves in a positive way, uh, back to Bob Iger and that uh, interview that we conducted late last week. Of course, Mr. Iger spending his last few days as the chairman of Disney after what's been a 47-year career plus career uh, at that company, 15 plus as its CEO as well, in a period, uh, as Jim noted earlier, in which the stock did extraordinarily well. Uh, we did have that chance, though, sort of an unusual uh, opportunity, really, to talk uh, not just about Disney and its business, but also sort of about some of the broader leadership lessons that Mr. Iger learned and perhaps could impart to others. He did some of that in a book that uh, Jim and I, of course, have uh, lauded for some time as well. But he and I did spend some time talking about that and culture uh, and things that he would tell other potential CEOs as well. Take a listen. I'm curious as to how you think you went about changing the culture of Disney and, and what you would say or, you know, how quickly you can do it as a leader and where that culture is today versus then. Yeah, I think for any CEO of any particularly large company in today's world, the, the world throws you more and more curveballs, more and more challenges. And they now they come at you constantly and from directions that you could never anticipate, never expect. It gets really tough, and I think I think one of the reasons why, you know, I think it's right for there to be change at the top sometimes is that can turn a CEO uh, into more of a skeptic or a pessimist, or just because they get weary of all of those challenges. And I think we had gone through. I know we had gone through a period of time at Disney uh, prior to my ascending to become CEO, where those challenges were you know, numerous. They were they're omnipresent. There was the Comcast hostile takeover attempt. There was the, uh, share, the uh, board member shareholder right. revolt well, Roy led by Stanley Roy Gold. Disney. Yep. There was the impact of technology on all of our traditional businesses. There was 9-11. There was, you know, we can think about all of these things. And I think um, Disney at the time had become weary of, of those challenges. And, um, and with that came a little bit less of a belief in its future. There was the scale issue as well. Were we large enough? And it was intimidating, you know, to face some of those technology companies. You know, Steve Jobs announcing rip, mix, and burn, and what was going to be the future of IP. People challenging copyrights. It was left right. and right and all over the place. Um, and so what I wanted to do when I came in was to see whether we could not ignore those challenges, but put them aside and become optimists again and look to a future that we actually believe was brighter. One thing that was important to me was embracing technology, even though it was causing disruption and potential threats. I wanted to embrace it as a, as a means of creating opportunity well, for you us. Did, I mean, Jobs showed you the first video iPod, didn't right. he? Right, so we put our television programs on it first. Yeah. 
which was a tiny, tiny deal. But all of a sudden it signaled, wait a minute, maybe we could use technology for, to gain as opposed to to lose. And that mentality was something I wanted to infuse in the company, which is future is bright, let's view technology as opportunity versus threat. Um, and that, that announcement actually was, turned out to be a big one. It led to more serious conversations with Steve about buying Pixar too. Right, right. Um, and, I, and I think one of the things that I was surprised at is if, if, you, if you consider pessimism about the future to be part of a company's culture, I thought it was going to take a long time to change that. It was very fast. Why do you think it was so fast? And why was that a surprise to you? Well, I think what it says something about that change in the top matters. You, can, you know, I'm not suggesting good or bad. I'm not suggesting, oh, in comes Bob and out goes Michael. But it can freshen things up, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and it's happening at Disney now as well. You know, there's a change at the top. and. And that could create a whole different outlook for the company going forward. Do you think forward. it freshens things up, your departure as CEO? Look, the world is changing dramatically, and it's important for the CEO of a company to address all of those changes rapidly. Bob is going to address them probably differently, perhaps, than I may have, but that's neither good nor bad. I think, change, I think generally speaking, change is good. Change isn't necessarily bad. Yeah. What do you see yourself doing? Uh, you know, a few days from now when you are yeah, no longer a part of this company. All of this, this dream, when this dream finally ends. You know, I've worked um, full-time, really full-time since I was 23 years old. I'm going to be 71. Uh, working uh, in the job that I've, the jobs that I've had, CEO and chairman, have, you know, were taxing from a time perspective, never in terms of my energy or my enthusiasm. Um, it's time for me to have a blank canvas, so to speak, to be forced in a way to be a little bit more imaginative with my time. Not forced even to have that luxury. Well, what will I do today? Do you I, have any hobbies, though? Um, yeah, I have some hobbies. I don't golf. Okay. Um, I'm, I like to sail. You don't sail and golf in the same lifetime. There just isn't enough time for that. Um, but my wife has a full-time job. My kids are out of the house. I'm so not going to sit around So you're going to have to keep now. busy. I'll keep busy. I'm doing some selective investing. I'd like the ability to be an advisor to founders of startups um, because I think I've got uh, some advice to give in that regard, uh, even though I haven't run a startup. Uh, and I've been sought after by some already. I'll probably do some of that. I plan to write another book, which is a homework assignment right now. I've got to get at that. And I'll do some speaking and I'll see you know, where life takes me. Uh, I'm not in any rush. I've been advised by some who have stepped down from high office, including President Obama, do not, he said, do not make any decisions. Don't commit to anything for six months. Six so months. I'm telling you, don't do that. Yes. You know, you, you wrote about Eisner's departure in the book, and you said, it's hard to know exactly who you are without this attachment and title and role that has defined you for so long. Yes. Um, when I wrote about that, I, uh, I had developed a lot of empathy for Michael. I remember his last day at Disney. It was a Friday, the last Friday in September of 2005, uh, when his wife and one of his sons came to Disney and had lunch with him, and he drove off the Disney lot after having been CEO for 21 years. And I was, at that point, I couldn't wait because I was ready you know, to have that office and that title and that job. Uh, and raring to go, 
And I don't think I thought long and hard at the time of what that really meant to him. And here I am. Yesterday was my last day on that Disney lot, you know, in this role. And it was, it, it was a, an emotional experience for me. My son came to the lot, one of my sons. We had lunch together. There I walked around, took some pictures. I was feeling incredibly wistful, incredibly emotional. The ties that I've had to this company that have been so part of my life were ending. Um, and I, and I, in two weeks from now, I will not have a title. And I've had a decent title since I was in my 30s. It's a yeah. long time. But there's no anxiety about that at all. Um, sadness, of because I'm leaving people that I love working with and a company I've loved working for. But no remorse, no second guessing, no anxiety. You don't regret having left when you did and stepped down as CEO when you did? No, I think that, look, I didn't, no one knew that the pandemic was going to explode the way it did. I think the timing was unfortunate. Um, but throwing a new CEO into, you know, that's in, that, you know, that circumstance was difficult. Um, but no, I have no, no regrets about having made that decision. It was time. It was. Why? Yeah. Some of the things that I've said, which is um, believing that change at the top was good, although I will say a lot of it was very, very personal. It wasn't about the company, it was about me. Mm -hmm. You know, wanting to leave with the vitality to explore the world in a different way. I thought back about a, a, a biography I read of a pitcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Los Angeles Dodgers named Sandy Koufax, who left at the top of his game. And I think the biographer of Ko Koufax's biographer, Jane Levy, said that he left uh, walking off the field or on his own volition. Well, great athletes rarely retire on their own. Instead, they limp off the field. I didn't want to limp off the field. And as you can see from the looks of him, Carl, he's not going to be limping anywhere. Uh, Great vitality still, and as you take a look uh, at the performance of the stock during Mr. Iger's tenure. We're going to have a lot more during the course of the day, of course, from a long conversation that covered so many different areas uh, of both his career. And we will get into the nuts and bolts of direct-to-consumer and what he thinks there uh, and whether people will still go to the movies. Carl? Such a good interview, David. And I got to say, one of the best backdrops of any interview you've ever done, that's for sure, with the Falcon in the background. Right, Jim? Wow. I mean, yeah, it, this, one, this is toward the force. But how about that Jane Levy book that he mentions? It, it is so true. You want to go out like Koufax. Uh, it, it, just an unbelievable, an unbelievable departure. David, can I just make sartorially a suggestion? Yeah, sure. We had Zane on yesterday. Uh, yeah. You need to get to Zane immediately. Yeah. I, it was I mean, cold. Right now, I, you know, like it was cold. I had this vest. It was 39 degrees when we started the interview, uh, and so uh, I, I just didn't want to freeze. But uh, yeah, I've already heard a little yeah. bit about the vest, and uh, I, I will take that <laughs> under advisement. Um, Jildo Zenya yesterday looked pretty good. I know. I haven't seen how the performance of the stock they, was, but it, he looked pretty good. Yeah, well, Zanya said Carl. you look dapper, so I would, I would take that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Between that and this shot, David's having a banner week. <laughs> we will take a break here. Uh, as we do so, let's get a look at the bond report today, see how treasuries are faring. A lot to watch this afternoon, of course, as we await the president's speech about COVID response and free testing and FEMA and DOD hospital support. For the time being, though, tenure just below 147. A lot more Squawk on the Street continues in a moment. 
Got about an 80% update this morning on the S&P there as we try to get back above 4,600 at uh, 4,594. Long day ahead, though. We'll continue to watch the action. Uh, but for the time being, breath is pretty positive. More Squawk on the Street continues after a short break. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? Okay, we've got Rob Wiesenthal from Blade, and that's a helicopter company. I've used him. I know you've used him, and I think it's a, this could be big. Yeah, we, we can't wait to hear more about an interesting uh, market being developed there. I think JPM called him a category yep. creator the other day. Uh, Jim, we'll see you tonight. I agree, and I'm, I'm glad, you're feeling, glad you're feeling well. Glad you're feeling well. Yeah, I think uh, Best b- between you and me, we'll, we'll be back at the desk in no time. Uh, Mad Money tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to The Opening Bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.